Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That was the first time I've ever seen you show emotion, Fort Myers. Um, City Limits was sitting in your seat. (laughs) And eventually... I could see you pacing because you need to arrange the sound the way you want it. You need to get onto the computer and do all the things that you need to do. You've been a very mild man, mild-mannered man, I should say, in every moment that I've known you. Always take a deep breath. Yes, namaste. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) I heard a scream from back there where you said, come on, this guy's pulling a Nicholas Harry callus on me. Because Harry always sits back there, right? Yeah, he sure does, yeah. I almost headbutted him. Yeah, did that lead to any friction between no, you no. and uh, City Limits? No, he's a good man. He just was He was well, trying what, to do what was a he lot. doing? He's, so he's going to the wedding. I don't know if you heard, they, they married a couple on the, the fan morning show. I did, it show. was great. And so I guess Is he— Is Zeissa now an ordained marriage guy? Yeah, that seems likely, doesn't it? I feel like that's something that he's probably acquired over his life. No, that seems very unlikely. The other two, I can't, I still can't believe the whole phenomenon of all I need to do is go online and 10 minutes later I, I can legitimately marry somebody. Yeah, it seems like kind of a loophole, doesn't it? It seems to me that it would have been Doran and, uh, and Dr. Crowley. But maybe Zeiss did. Maybe Zeiss, uh, he has internet capability, right? Maybe he did. Yeah, I think so. What were you saying? Well, so Bechtold's going to the wedding now. I guess he's going to do the Cupid shuffle and the electric slide and all that and probably get something to eat. So he was in a, a hurry to get out of here, and he still had to didn't do all Didn't look his... like it. Yeah, it didn't look like he was in a hurry. Yeah, well, he had to do all his stuff as opposed to going to the back to do it kind of at his leisure. He was rushed into it. So, yeah, he was stressing me a little bit, but it's okay. We made it through so far. Well, it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, I've shortened your nickname. It was a little cumbersome to constantly say, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. I tried to... Shorten it to don't. I just called you don't for a show. DC. But you confuse that with some other things. And uh, I think Fort after Ron Cook's new home in Fort Myers. Fort is is right to the point. You're also a very solid man, very dependable. You're like a Fort. You're Fort Myers. Thank you. Speaking of marriage, Fort Myers. I just heard an unbelievable story in the studio. I'm not at liberty to to say names or anything, but... Somebody here was proposed to over the weekend. Did you know how it, how it happened? In the studio here? No. No, no, no. In the Someone building? who works in the studio. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't know anything about this. They were on vacation, and her fiancé took her out to the beach, and they were collecting shells, and he had put the ring in one of the shells. And he said, oh, look at this one, gave it to her, and the rest will be history. That's a big-time move, that isn't is, it? That is creative, although I would say it's it's slightly risky, right? What if you get the shells confused somehow and then all of a sudden it washes away? Yeah, that would be bad. You'd have to go to plan B. I think it's a hell of a move, though. 
Don't you know, you? maybe that happens with Ron now that he's down by the beach. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I hope Ron finds true love. I do. Who was the woman here that I met over at the coffee shop who said she was in love with Ron and his hairy chest? Do you remember that? I wasn't around for that, but that's probably multiple women who feel that way. If he has the hairy chest, are you willing to put up with the hairy back? I think that's the question a lot of people are going to have to face if they meet Ron down there, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you can overlook that. I'll be honest with you. For his age, and I did learn late in his tenure here exactly what his age is, but I'm not allowed to reveal it. The early, guy, the, early 40s, I would assume, yeah, right? Yeah. The guy looks great. He does. He looks like an aging Hemingway. I would think that that would be attractive to a lot of women in Florida, is that you have a, 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 an aging but still strong legendary figure who has moved south, right? He's got the gray beard. Yes. Um, he's got the Speedo. He's got the chest hair. Very distinguished. I think he is going to meet somebody. I really do. So you and I might get invited to a wedding. Maybe Crowley can marry them. I was going to say it has to go across the airwaves, I would imagine, right? Or Zeiss can marry them. Yeah. That's a big move, though, the, the, the seashell. You know how I proposed to my wife? Fort? Why don't you tell me? I will. Used to play basketball all the time at Sacred Heart in, uh, in Shadyside. I lived right near there, so Sunday nights we would play. I started to age a little bit, right? So I started, I sensed that they were starting to treat me like the older guy, and this was a game against really good players. But I thrived on hitting the winning shots in pickup games all my life. I wanted the ball in my hands for the 21st point, whatever it was, the 25th point. And I determined that night that if I made the winning shot in this game, I was going to drive from Shadyside to Mount Lebanon and ask Susie Marshall, her maiden name, to marry me. So the game's going along. I'm not playing great. And I sensed that they were patronizing me, so I didn't like these guys anyway. One guy in particular was a real... uh, I didn't like him. Um, So ball comes to me way outside. This was Caitlin Clark territory. This was Steph Curry territory. I launch a three. I know it's going in. Turn my back like Steph does when he knows it's going in. Walked out of the gym. Didn't say good game to any of these guys I didn't like. And drove right to Mount Lebanon. And she said, yes. You like that story? That was... That's an outstanding. So that was game point. Did you even see it go through, or were you already out of the gym by the uh, time I it sensed, splashed down? I, I wasn't out of the gym, but the game was over. I, I knew it. And I don't know that I've played in too many pickup basketball games since then, except, of course, against Pony when I tore my Achilles, but that was just a one-on-one. Best of three where I won the first game and led the second yeah, game. Yeah, you were dominating yeah. at that point. 20-17. to 17. He didn't factor into your injury, did he? He didn't, no, he didn't I just step took, on I, you on accident or anything? No, no. No, he wasn't very aggressive, I have to say. I just took a jump shot, landed, sounded and felt like a, like if you had a one-inch thick rope and you snapped it in half. That's what it sounded like and felt like. And I tried to get up, and then I knew, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like when you tear your Achilles. This isn't good. Pony did call 911. He did not accompany me to the emergency room. Bad move on his part. Yeah, probably. He probably should have came with you. I've often thought about that. I don't know that I would have either if he tore his Achilles, to be honest. 
I don't know that I would have. I think it's you, you once, probably once go you're in with professionals' you. hands. You know, yeah. I, I think it's fine. But I think once he takes you there, he can kind of dip out at that point. But sure, my wife was mad. Uh, I got no support. Pony Pony left me with the guys, uh, the people at the LA Fitness out uh, at at Settlers Ridge. It was upstairs is where the gym is. I was I was on an orange gurney for God's sakes, being taken out by EMTs, and nobody looked up from their exercise machine. Nobody. Very so focused. I felt uh, blown off by Pony, ignored by the patrons, and then I get in the ambulance, make a call to my wife, and she starts yelling at me through the phone. She told me not to play, that I was too old. She was right. I thought she might let that go for a moment to know that I had a torn Achilles, right? That's a tough day, but good Good to see that you're okay now. Yeah, I was winning, and if the game had been declared right then, I absolutely won, right? I think so. Do you think you would have gotten into golf as as enthusiastically? No, no, I think I'd still be playing pickup hoops. It's a blessing in disguise. And I've never found anything to replace it as far as a workout goes. But, you know, it also got to the point where you had people out there carrying all their angst and, you know, upset from their work days and their marriages and their lives as a whole. And it, I just started to see the ridiculousness of some of these games. I've actually, this morning, I was thinking, how much longer do I have? I play deck hockey. Are yeah. you, you're familiar with deck oh, hockey, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. do you play? I play at Penn Hills, yeah. um, which has produced some top-notch talent, by the way. But so I was thinking, you know, I run a team. I'm getting to the age now where I wonder how much longer I have left because even the low league there is very good. So... You know, there's some guys that just, quite frankly, aren't good enough to play in it, but they, they want to get the exercise. I don't want to be that guy, though. I don't want to be the person, like you said, where everyone's, like, kind of, you know, just complimenting me when I do anything that's not terrible. So I wonder how many years I have left to do that. I'd give it about 10. It's tough to replace the sport you love with yeah. anything else. How would you like to crack a six-pack? It's off the top here, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. We have an incredibly packed show today. Tyler Kennedy's going to join us, uh, hopefully, at 10.30 to talk about Yarmir Yager. We have Mike DeFabo in the building, hopefully, from noon to 1. Ray Fittipaldo at 11, um, working on Brian Trottier. All hell is broken loose here, Fort. We could have the show of the century. If it wasn't yesterday's, it'll be today's, right? Sounds like a plan to me. So in honor of our long-lost friend, Ronald Cook, Let's crack a six-pack. Mm, that sounds good. Jake Gensel. Penguins phrase it up to four weeks. Uh, I was looking at a couple different stories today. Could be right after the deadline. He has to be out because of the long-term injured reserve rules. At least 10 games and 24 days. So the earliest, I'm reading Seth Rohrbaugh now, would be Edmonton on March 10th against the Oilers. You know, I'm not that optimistic in the first place that they're going to make the playoffs. This very clearly makes them a longer shot to do that. But does it really change anything around the trade deadline? Now, when they phrase it up to four weeks, are they trying to keep alive the idea that he's definitely going to be available? If you're looking for him at the deadline, this is this is up to. Not a minimum of, not approximate, up to sort of indicating he sure could be back earlier and not much later in case you're thinking about that March 8th 
trade deadline out there. And maybe it's all true. Maybe he returns before or just after, in which case it really doesn't change much. Here's the bottom line to me. The total rebuild idea is completely off the table. That's not happening. It's just not happening. You have Sidney Crosby. You want to keep Sidney Crosby for the rest of his career. And you don't know if he's going to have the stomach for a complete rebuild at this point in his career. Why would he? You know, it would be a tough decision, I'm sure, for him. The legacy of remaining with one team, he may want that. I wouldn't blame him at all. I don't think anybody would if he left amidst a total rebuild. So you're weighing that um, against him leaving. So point number one, which then influences any other point, is you have to keep Sidney Crosby. And if you're going to keep Sidney Crosby, the, the, the best you could do or the biggest, in quotes, rebuild you could do is a retool for next year and make somewhat of a hockey trade for Jake Gensel and get a different kind of player in here maybe and maybe a, a, you know, a big-time prospect. I don't know. Or I should say maybe a big-time prospect and a draft pick. Or you sign him. That's it. And you have to know, because it doesn't seem, at least early indications are, based on what Gensel's agent said, I don't know that he's taking the old Penguini discount here. And if you determine that, that he's not going to do that, then you almost have to trade him. And now your ability to get maximum return might be, might be compromised by this injury. So a very complicated situation, but the idea of a total rebuild, don't even think about it because it's not happening. I think really the best way to go, and I saw this firsthand as a Red Wings fan, is that you you try to contend as long as you possibly can to your point. So I think that's probably another two-plus years that they're going to try to contend. So it makes no sense to try to start over now. And then when it does finally 100% end, you just you don't really want anyone left at that point. You want to be as bad as possible. We saw the Penguins do that before. So right. I don't see a real benefit to having Gensel around when everyone else has gone three or four years down the road. But if you could do something short-term, whether it's trading him for someone else that could come in and step in right away or maybe keeping him on a shorter term, although that seems unlikely. But yeah, when it's time to rebuild, everyone I think at that point has to be gone. Crack one. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mmm, that sounds good. Sid, last night they beat the Blackhawks. You better beat the Blackhawks. Uh, is having one of the great seasons of any 36-year-old, post-35-year-old ever. I mean, this is incredible to watch. The deflection last night, and he has a number of those this year, was just ridiculous. It really was. So the idea of retooling or keeping things the same, 
you know, the best argument for that is you still have this, don't just have this guy, you have him at the height of his powers still. Eh, maybe not the height of his powers. That's always in your early 20s for a hockey player. I mean, Sid was once on pace for 60 goals and like 160 points one year. Something like that. Uh, the year he got the concussion in the Winter Classic. But all around, I bet you the players vote him the best all-around player in the game still, yet again, this year. Next. Did you see this, Fort? This is from the New York Post. Penn State trustees and high-ranking university reps reportedly met twice in private in January to discuss whether to name the field at Beaver Stadium after the late head coach Joe Paterno. Wow. I mean, to me, there's still enough very heavy questions out there, at least, about what Paterno knew and didn't know and when and how he acted uh, to avoid that, quite frankly, to avoid that. And I get the sentiment for a lot of people out there that they probably want that to happen. I don't think it's a great idea. You? No, because even to your point, if the majority of Penn State fans and people that go to the games would appreciate it, it just adds fuel to the fire. And it starts that conversation all over, which I think is something that they've tried to move on from over the past decade plus. And, you know, James Franklin, everyone, they they try to be so careful with how they speak about the past because it just creates so many more issues for the people who are looking for stuff to, you know, kind of criticize and ridicule. So, yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to even really bring that up publicly. Next. Patrick Peterson discusses his future in Pittsburgh, says he's ready to play, had a great exit meeting with Mike Tomlin, said he's physically, mentally in a great place, but he's not sure that the Steelers will want him at this point. And I'm not sure that I would want him. I'm not totally against it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not totally against it. I thought he did a decent job at safety, even if his tackling was a bit of an issue. It's just that he's now going to be another year older. Clearly, the cornerback gig is up, right? So you're looking at a guy maybe in in sort of a a limited role. And, man, if you're going to cut bait on older players, you want to do it a year early rather than a year late. I would lean toward moving on, but then you have to discuss what are your options. Next. Kenny Pickett's still the guy. He is the guy, says Patrick Peterson. I wonder what would happen, Fort, if they put it up for a vote, an anonymous vote in the locker room, if players would want Rudolph or Pickett. How do you think that vote turns out? At this point, I would think more people, certainly the wide receivers would want Mason Rudolph. Now, I think everyone would say Pickett, you know, intangibles, leadership, all that. He's great at it, but if you don't produce on the field, I think guys are going to look for someone who's going to put up the the numbers, and that's what Mason Rudolph did, albeit in a limited sample size. It might not play out like that, but I think right now they would lean towards him. I tend to agree. You know, things got a little strange for Pickett with the whole why didn't he dress in Seattle thing with him just blowing off media. I mean, I think as a team captain, as much as people might hate the idea, you got to stand up in front of people and answer questions about you um, and the offense and the future. It's just part of the duty. It is. 
Wasn't he real weird when asked about if he learned anything from from being on the sidelines for those? That was two during games? the Seattle thing, yeah, or before that, yeah. He said very quickly, no, things like that. He clearly thinks that he was wronged here, and I've always wondered and still wonder if he agreed to go out and get that surgery. Maybe he didn't have to to speed up his recovery time on the promise that no matter what, you're going to be the guy when you get back. I just wonder about that. I do. But, man, instead of having other people answer a million questions about you, I think you got to stand up and answer them yourself at the end of the year if you're a team captain. Plus, they won. Plus, guys who weren't putting up numbers necessarily with Pickett did with Rudolph. So, I, I, I'm with you. I think the, vi- the vote might go that way. It might. We're going to talk about Pickett and, and local sentiment about him later in the show. Please crack one for it. Caitlin Clark makes history. NCAA scoring record last night. Uh, she would she go for 48, 49, something like that? Ridiculous like that? 49. So here's what I was thinking of with this. First of all, having a daughter who plays sports, the explosion in the popularity of women's college sports is absolutely awesome. We were all watching the game on Super Sunday. And I was with all women watching the game. Two of my sisters, my wife, my daughter, everybody into Caitlin Clark. And the, and the building packed. I think it was at Nebraska, right? The building packed. Building packed last night. People going crazy. We've seen what's happened in women's volleyball. Women's softball explodes every year around the World Series time where there's really good ratings for World Series games. I love it. And, and more to the point, I was thinking about this. I think the Athletic puts out, puts out a thing every day called The Pulse. Just a quick touch-in on the major stories of the day. And the guy who wrote it yesterday posed this question. Have we, for the first time ever, reached the point where the average person on the street, sports fan, could name the biggest stars in women's basketball before they could in men's? Yes. Yes. It's Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, right? Would you say, is it Zach Eady for the men? I guess. Just because he's such a an alien, you know, standing whatever he is, seven I, foot four? I guess, but I suppose it's a combination of different paths to the NBA, you know, G League, Europe, other leagues, whatever they are, plus everything else going on in college sports has led to, I think, the men's game being compromised, at least in that way. Like you're never going to ruin men's college basketball. People are always going to love it because the because of the you know the schools. You got your school colors. That's what you that's what you root for, and because of the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, the bracket. Nobody cares who the stars are when the brackets come out. You know what I mean? The average office worker, they just want to fill it out, and it's a it's a national phenomenon. You can't ruin the NCAA tournament. But I agree that for the first time in history. The average person would would be able to name and would recognize the biggest stars in the women's game over the men's game. That's something, huh? The craziest thing to me is that she broke Kelsey Plum's record. And first off, up until a couple weeks ago, I didn't know that Kelsey Plum had the all-time record. But what was that, maybe five years ago that she yeah. played? No yeah. one talked about it then. So just in five years, the, the, the attention has grown so significantly from women's basketball. Last one for We have a nice little television sports 
feud going on here, and it's very entertaining because it's it's a heavyweight. It's an all-time heavyweight against a current heavyweight. That's Bill Simmons against Pat McAfee, and they are going back and forth. Simmons is not backing down here. I have a really good clip of this if you want Do to hear you? it. Do you? Is it Simmons? Yes. Yeah, let's hear it. McAfee's created a new version of how to do this. Uh-oh. I don't know. We're not allowed to talk about Pat McAfee. Let's do it. He starts the show and it'd be like, Cowboys, bro. I don't know, man. I don't know. What's going on there, bro? And then it cuts to his three people. Right. And then they'll be like, well, I don't know. And then they'll go back to him. He's like, it's not good, bro. Not right. good. Not keep an eye on that, bro. Yeah. Two of them are looking to take their first cigarette break. <laughs> And then McAfee's just uh, going to... We don't have a rundown, bro. No rundown on this show, bro. Mike McCarthy, it's not looking good for him, bro. It's not looking good. That was followed up by McAfee basically saying, watch yourself, that type of thing. And then Simmons coming back with, uh, have you noticed with sports ratings, everybody's sports ratings are up on TV, leaving the rest of the sentence us to assume that McAfee's aren't. You see at ESPN at the end of the month, Simmons says, they'll be like, highest ratings ever for Get Up and all these different shows. Same thing for Fox. All their shows are up. Everybody's ratings are up except for the NBA and whoever replaced the 12 p.m. Sports Center. Do you know who replaced the 12 p.m. Sports Center? Would that be the Pat McAfee show? I, I think so. And he says, if your ratings don't go up, it's probably a bad sign. Others point out that McAfee's while his uh, Andrew Marchand, uh, that his his audience declined an average of 48 percent from its first take lead in from September through December of 23. That he does a lot of his numbers on YouTube and things like that, where people go crazy over the clips and things like that. But I love this. I find it very enjoyable. Do you? I do. Uh, I, I think I'll say this. I think Aaron Rodgers really kind of harmed Pat McAfee because a lot of people I think got turned off by having Rogers on with his kind of crazy talk for week after week. And that became a big story. And it really led to, I think many people saying, I'm not going to tune in anymore. I want more of this. I want McAfee to come back. I want them both to be on the air. You should start a feud with somebody. That might be good. Start a feud. I've had a feud with about 18 different people. That's a good point. Including Yager for years and years. Who's getting faded uh, deservedly so on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to bash feuds. them, though. Who of my media feuds? Well, Dave Molinari for years covering the Penguins. It was unbelievable. We used to sit next to each other, our knees touching on planes, and he wouldn't even say hello. Not a word spoken because we had the same travel agent uh, up in Squirrel Hill. He was covering the Penguins for the Post-Gazette, me for the Trib, so we'd be on the same schedule, sitting next to each other on planes, and it's a little nothing awkward. Said, nothing said. It was incredible. One time in Long Island, he went ahead and went to their PR person and said, I don't want to sit next to that guy. And I was sitting on the other side of the entire arena by myself for an Islanders-Penguins game, or at least that's where my seat was. Would they was. put you in like a janitor's closet I or something? Pretty much. Because he had been around for a long time. You know, Penguins Old Boys Club. He was a card-carrying member, if not the... Uh, the Grand Poobah. That was a legendary Pittsburgh media feud. I'm sure people found it very, very comical. I remember how it ended, too. Uh, well, not how it ended, but I, I piped up one day. Rick Kehoe. Uh, Molinari was in on the scrum, so he got everybody else's questions. 
and then he wanted his little private. So he got my questions to Kehoe or whatever everybody was asking, and then he wanted his little private talk. And I stayed in the room, a little room over at uh, Mellon Arena. And he turned and asked me, you know, if I would leave, and I absolutely snapped. That was a great moment. If, if only we had phones, the kinds of phones we have now back then, there would have been some great videos. Great videos. Any other? Uh, let me think. Yeah, there's always there's always feuds with your competitors on radio or TV. But those will be best left to history, Fort. You and I don't have one. We're very good friends. Absolutely. You know who else I'm friends with? Tyler Kennedy. That's right. And he's up next. And I want to ask him for some Yager stories. We'll talk to Tyler Kennedy next. Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Fan twi- Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit him at southhillskia.net. And the text line is brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Bet the NBA with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge every Thursday with TNT Thursdays. So every time there's a game on TNT on a Thursday, you'll get bonus bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't win. Now, it doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel, you already have an account. NBA same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance to score a bigger payday. So we'll be going along week by week looking at those Thursday games. Every Man, that Warriors-Jazz game, it was like 84-71 at the half. That's like a final score in the old days. However you want to play, just head to FanDuel.com slash Starkey to bet the NBA with a no-sweat same-game parlay with TNT Thursdays. That's FanDuel.com slash Starkey. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus and present in Pennsylvania. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Coming up on the 50-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. All right, Fort, let's go out to the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. They provide trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years to Pittsburgh, where we find Stanley Cup champion Tyler Kennedy. Tyler, thank you for your patience today. The story of the week is Yarmir Yager. I don't believe you ever played with him, although who knows, maybe somewhere along the line you did. But what was it like to play against him? Uh, it was awesome. I just remember growing up and seeing that real heavy mullet ripping around the ice. I thought that was uh, one, of the, one of the best things. But uh, just a guy that, one, just – I don't know if there's a guy that's stronger on his skates when he has the puck and has guys on his backside. Again, very strong. A guy you kind of look up on YouTube, you see all the videos of him training differently. Like, all that stuff. Again, when I went to uh, New Jersey, he was there the year before and just asking questions about him going to the rink at 12 o'clock at night and all that crazy stuff, and it's all true. Again, he trained at real weird hours, uh, kind of beat to his own drum, and, you know, again, he he was in the gym for hours. I remember guys would be like, he would spend two and a half hours in the gym. I'm not saying he'd always be working out for those two and a half 
but he would be in the gym doing something. So um, just a lot of memories, a lot of time watching him grow up. And uh, it was pretty special playing against him. Man, he was great on Spitting Chicklets, that podcast, just the other day. I was They did like an hour and a half with him. And he talked about training. He didn't even know he was training for hockey, really, when he worked on a farm growing up. And he explained that, you know, when you do conventional workouts, you're in the gym. So it's like, ah, I think I'm done after an hour or, or even two, even a great workout. He said on the farm, you might go from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and you're not done till the work's done. So you, can, you can't really quit. And I think that led to those tree trunk legs and that backside that, like you said, was there ever anybody better uh, in the offensive zone at keeping people away from the puck? Sid, you know, when you, th- you think of guys that are playing at a later age that are unbelievable with controlling the puck, like Sid's another guy that you would look at that once he has you and he, he's got those 10 and twos, the Mohawks going, you're not getting the puck back just like Yogs And I don't know. I never had those big legs. Maybe I was, maybe I was, maybe I was the guy in the gym doing the wrong thing. Maybe I should have went to the <laughs> farm. And you should have grown up on a farm. Yeah. Throwing hay around. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> the secret. I don't know. So. You were growing up in Sault Ste. Marie, right? Yeah. What was hockey yeah. viewing like for you there? Would you get? Were we yet in the age where you could get any game you wanted? Was it hockey night in Canada? And do you remember watching Yager? Um, yeah, I remember. Like, so we'd get the highlights on like the regular news, and then Toronto was always hockey night in Canada. So we'd always watch like the big teams in Canada, like Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. You know, we watched a lot of that on Saturday night. But for me, like a big influence for me was um, the local Sioux Greyhounds team, you know, and they had some guys like Trevor Daly, Jeff Carter, guys, Rico Fata, guys that I kind of went to the rink and watched growing up and, you know, wanted to be like, you know, again, uh, the way Rico was fast, the way Daly could handle the puck and skate up the ice, the way Jeff Carter shot the puck. Again, those are more of influences for me than honestly like the NHL guys just because we didn't watch that much hockey because we didn't have it on on TV except Saturday night. I just realized you're two years younger than Jeff Carter still. Is Ron Francis the most famous player from Sault Ste. Marie? Yes. Yeah, he, he's a legend back there. and He doesn't come back too much, but again, everyone still talks about him. Um, again, he did great things. He played in Pittsburgh, obviously. So when I got drafted, you know, a lot of people were asking questions and this and that. But um, yeah, we've we've had we had more of a lot more tough guys than skilled guys. So he was it was nice to see him uh, come out as a skilled guy to Sault Ste. Marie. Tyler Kennedy on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. All right, the Gensel injury, they say up to four weeks, which means he could be back either before or right after the trade deadline. I guess it's Raquel time, right? He's got to step up and play in that spot. Can they survive and can he thrive? Um, Well, we have no choice. You know, right now these games are so huge, and when you look at the standings, the Penguins aren't that far out of it because they have so many games in hand, you know, and the the one thing is 
Raquel needs, you know, this might be a good opportunity to kind of redeem himself because he's, he struggled a little bit this year. You know, he's, he's had a hard time finding his game, trying to mix in in those top two lines. So I think this might be a good opportunity to try to find his game, you know, play with an unbelievable player with Sidney Crosby and how he's, he's playing. But uh, yeah, they, they definitely need him to, to find his game over the next, you know, three or four weeks. You still feel like this is a playoff team, Tyler? I think they'll make playoffs. I do. I, I do think they make playoffs. And once you make playoffs, who knows what can happen? You know, two, three years ago, Columbus upset Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, again, I, I'm more worried about them getting into playoffs and making playoffs, and then we'll figure it out once we do that. Does somebody need to stand up to Mikola there other than Sid? Does somebody need to get after other people's star players? Do the Penguins have enough of that kind of thing? No, I don't think so. Like your star, like the game has changed so much. And I don't want to sound like that old guy, but like your stars shouldn't be standing up. You know, they're the ones that should be kind of sitting back and letting the guys one that get called up like, that that's when you make your mark, you know, getting called up, you know, getting in, you know, on the highlight, get in someone's face, you know, just honestly, just getting a little bit of attention by doing stuff like that. So no, I don't think Sid should be the guy doing it again. You have, you know, when, when you think of guys getting called up, you have a short period of time to make yourself visible and valuable. And if valuable is making sure you stick up for your teammates and getting in people's faces and playing that little bit of a sandpaper game, that's what you have to do. And right now they're not doing it. You know, when you when you think of their defenseman, Lungwit, he's a guy that honestly I feel like he's in the lineup because he adds that kind mm-hmm. of aspect in yeah. that defensive, you know, in that defensive core that no one else brings. You know, no one else on the defensive core brings that element of stepping up and, you know, making a big hit, change of momentum. At, you know, he drops the gloves here and there. No no one does that. And I think they need a little bit more of that, and that's, that's why he's in there. And you would think coming up, they would know that. Because when I got called up to the Pittsburgh Penguins before I got here, I remember I got a phone call from Dan Balsma. And he said, TK, I want you to stay up there and some advice. You're up there. you got to make an impact. Mm. If anyone asks you to fight, you fight no matter what. I don't care if you get your butt kicked. You never say no because you only have one chance. And it was obviously it was pretty nerve-wracking him saying that. But when I came up, like, I, I would have fought anyone. You know, obviously not the heavy heavies, you know, but I was willing to, to go. And it was just because... I wanted to stay up so bad. So that was um, some advice I got from Dan before I got called up to make sure I kind of stayed. Yeah, I wish that somebody would come in here and sort of electrify that locker room and get the crowd going. We need we need like a wild man, a crazy man. But I wanted to ask you something else here, Tyler, to finish up. I wanted to ask you about life on the road with an NHL team. Are you ready for some questions about that, some quick yeah. ones? Yes. I used to travel with the Penguins for a year or two in the late 90s. The food was unbelievable. It probably got better, or like other uh, you know, air travel, maybe it got worse. What was the food like on the team plane for you? 
Pittsburgh, it was it was um, it was catered by Giant Eagle. So you would get like you know when you go to Giant Eagle and they have like um, the food in the you know you take away the food that's already cooked. It was that kind of food, so it yeah. was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like lights out. A lot of guys would stop on the way to the airport and pick up Chipotle or something like that, even on the plane, but they didn't feel like having that kind of food. Um, when I was in San Jose, we were on the plane so much, we actually had like like real like forks, knives, plates, and they used to actually like almost recooked the meals because they wanted to make sure we were having good meals because we were on there so much. Again, we when we traveled in San Jose, we weren't gone for one or two nights. We were gone for like a week, week and a half. So that plane was like a second home. So they that food was was really, really good. Went to Jersey and Phil uh Jersey and the Islanders. Honestly, every flight we took was like an hour. So that wasn't a big deal for the food. But again, those guys Took a lot of Chipotle there. Um, so it varies from team to team. So you could order a nice steak in San Jose? It was like a restaurant? They give you a menu and everything? Yeah, menu, steak, salmon. Usually it was like a steak and a fish. You know, a meat and a fish, and then like a pasta and a potato. What about dessert? Uh, well, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> Brooks Orpik and those guys kind of cut out the... Uh, you know, we were getting a little bit more serious. We wanted to win a little bit more, so they kind of cut out the ice cream and the Diet Cokes <laughs> and all that stuff. We ate pretty healthy in Pittsburgh. You know, in San Jose, they had whatever you wanted, you know, wine, anything you wanted. And <laughs> it, it was incredible. It was pretty, yeah, yeah, it, it was nice. They they had great desserts. Again, it was like going to a restaurant on that plane. They had their own private plane. I would have like lived on the plane. I would have lived yeah, on the plane, well, and then after games – I would have I would have gotten dressed up, ordered a steak, a bottle of wine. I'm sure you had movies. That's incredible. Yeah, so it was uh, the guy had his, like you know the sharks had their own plane and everyone had their own seat. And the best, the coolest thing on the plane, everyone remember they had those um, flip up like DVD uh, players. Yeah, yeah. Remember those? Yeah. So everyone had one of those, and then at the front of the plane. They had, it was like a closet, but it was filled with like 400 movies. So it was like going to like the movie store, or, you know, going to Netflix back in the day. And you can pick out the movie you'd want to watch on the plane. So everyone would, you know, take their turn picking out the, you know, the movie they wanted. But the movies always stayed there. Um, so that was, you know, really cool. Um, again, we didn't travel that much in Pittsburgh, in San Jose. They needed to set up that plane like it was a hotel, and they did. You know, guys were, you know, doing a bunch of, like, you know, they'd wear those real tight compression leg pants. So, you know, we were up in the air so long, they didn't want their legs to feel like garbage the next day. The time travel, that's the one thing from coming from the the east to the west was the travel and the time zones. You, you're skipping time zones like – like every second week, you know, it was, it was crazy. And it was hard for me to, to adjust, you know, playing out there, but you know, you go from coming from Pittsburgh, you know, you go from Pittsburgh, you go to Philadelphia, Long Island, you know, New York, cool, but then you go to Jersey. Oh, in San Jose, you're going to LA, you're going to Arizona, you know, you're going to some real, real cool uh, stops, Anaheim. So it was, 
you know, the locations were a lot better out there, but there was, uh, you know, the travel sucked. (laughs) Now, this I always wondered about, because when I was out on the town in certain cities and I would run into players or even coaches, I'm like, nah, this isn't going to work. I got to get out of here. Would you, did you ever run in to a coach or coaches in, in, well, in a bar? And did you, did you steer clear of them in social situations? Yeah. Like, you know, everyone had their restaurants. The coaches kind of, I don't know. I didn't see too many coaches. Like we were in Ottawa, we were kind of farther out from the city. So there's always one restaurant that you'd see kind of everyone at, um, but New York, there was a ton of options. The guy, the coaches in uh, New uh, San Jose, I never saw them, you know. And those guys kind of ran wild, you know. And um, but no, I never really saw too many coaches at establishments. They they kind of knew to keep like let the guys have their space and kind of relax because that's the last thing you want to do when you go for dinner is to see your boss. You right. know, you have to put on. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's it's it sucks. You know. So like, I di- I didn't see too many coaches out on the road, um, and that that's probably a good thing. All right, Tyler, thank you for the time. We'll talk next week. Thanks, boys. Have a good weekend. He's the best, isn't he? That was a good story. Yeah. I mean, I think I never would have come off the plane. I would have lived there, and then whenever we were, whenever I had to play a game or something, you get off the plane or practice. I would have lived on the plane. I remember I went to Tokyo with the Penguins on their plane, and it was double-decker. It wasn't their plane. I think it was a commercial plane, but it was a double-decker plane that had beds on the upper part. So guys would sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was freaking out. We flew over like Antarctica. Somebody said that Antarctica is down there, and I started freaking out. I'm like, I cannot sleep on planes, unfortunately. I, I, I was pacing the plane. I didn't know what to do. Almost went back to drinking. Like I, I was just picturing we're above Antarctica and we're going to Tokyo. This is actually real and I can't get out, not even with a parachute. What am I doing?